Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I don't know about you guys, but uh, there have been times in my life where I've thought about something. I've thought about changing something. And sometimes I've thought about that for quite a long time. And, um, you know, I'd say, I really need to change this. Or I really need to change that. And, and I would be thinking that. And I'd never really do it because I had two words that kind of stopped me in my tracks. Just two words. And I'll explain what I mean. So it'd be like me saying, well, you know, um, I know I should really start working out and get in shape, but I am too tired at the end of the day, and it's too much money to join a gym or whatever, right? And so I don't, I don't even do it, right? Hey, I know I, I, I should really join a connect group and maybe start to make some closer friendships, you know, and, but I, I'm not that outgoing. I'm not really an extrovert, you know, I'm kind of shy, so maybe I won't do that, you know. Um, how about this? I just feel like I'm so stressed out, I, I can barely take it. Like, I, I just, I just want to get rid of all this anxiety and, and stress, and, and, and I just, I, I wish I could just, uh, just have peace in my life, but, but I just worry. I worry, you know? Or how about this, man? I know I should, I know I should eat better. I know I should eat more fish and vegetables and less carbs, but I really, really love Taco Bell. And when I see those commercials at night while I'm watching the game, I know that God is showing me that's him talking to me. He's saying, go to Taco Bell now. And I really love the seasons of, you know, coffee shops and Starbucks. You know, I love pumpkin spice season. I'm now loving the peppermint mocha season, right? Yeah, some of you are waving that at me right now. I might have to come and take a drink here in just a second. But it's like, you know, I love all that. It's like I love all that dessert, so... No, no, I'm not going to do it. Now, maybe you have an area of your life where you can relate to that, where you say, well, I've been thinking about changing this, but you too have encountered those words, but I, but I, and you fill in the blank. And but I is what we might call a defeater belief. A defeater belief means that it's not just going to keep you from being successful at doing what you're trying to change but it's going to stop you from even trying it. It's like you don't even try. But I will defeat you and keep you stuck in that seat. You won't even try to change. And so that's something that, you know, when you look at it, it might be there because of some of your failures. Now, I just thought I should share a Christmas story since this is the season, right? I can tell you I have a but eye in my life that I'm very familiar with, and I'll tell you how it got there. A number of years ago, I just thought I would buy a piece of clothing for my wife. I don't know why I thought I should do that, but I just thought I would. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to get her a nice leather jacket. And I thought, I, I kind of know her color wheel. Did I just impress you, ladies? I know her color wheel. I think I can figure that out. And so I get there, and I'm at a leather warehouse. There's thousands of jackets. And I'm going through, and I finally find this one. And my wife's kind of a petite gal, and so I'm kind of nervous about the fit, you know, because I don't know if it's going to fit her or not. And I'm like, I see this little lady, and I'm like, would you try this on? You know, it's kind of weird, but my wife is about your size, and I just want to make sure it fits. And she's like, yeah, no problem. I'll try it. And I go, what do you think? She goes, oh, it's awesome. I'm like, nailed it. So here it is. 
Christmas morning, our tradition was we'd open up gifts with our kids and they'd go up to grandparents' house and the, all the family would gather later. So this is just our little personal one, right? So everybody's opening their gifts. And I'm like, Jesus, man, I'm saving the best wine for last. And all of a sudden, I roll my gift out, right? Now, I've seen this play off in my imagination hundreds of times. I've watched her, you know, almost like the lady uh, Julie Andrews in Sound of Music, like she's just like happy, like this is just gonna blow her mind that I could do this, right? And so I like bring this jacket out. She unwraps it, but her expression wasn't the one I had seen in my imagination. It was like, and I said, well, at least try it on, you know? And so she puts it on and she looks at me and she goes, dude, you bought me a men's jacket. <laughs> Can I tell you, I have passed up buying her gifts for years because I would say, I'd love to buy you a gift, but I am terrible at buying you gifts. So here's the money or go find what you want and we'll get it for you. But here's the thing. We find those words, but I in the Bible quite a number of times. And usually they're in correlation to when God is calling and God is asking us to do something for him or to change something in our life. God is calling to us. And here's where we encounter those words because God calls out to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And you know what he said? He said these words that I know very well, but I don't talk very good. I'm like, okay, I hear that. God comes to somebody named Gideon and says, Gideon, there's a group of people that's oppressing Israel called the Midianites, and I want to set you guys free, and I'm going to use you to deliver them, and I want you to go deliver them. And he says, God, but I come from the wrong tribe, the wrong family. We live on the wrong side of the tracks, and I'm the low man on the totem pole in my own particular family. Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet to my people and to be a mouthpiece for me, but I am too young. Hey, Abraham, I want you to be a father of nations, but I am too old, right? It goes on and on and on. God speaks to a widow woman and says, I want you to feed this prophet. And she says, but I am broke. I've got one meal to my name. And you know, the funny thing is, God isn't in the business of propping them up and making them feel good and denying their inadequacies. He doesn't say, no, that's not true, Moses. You're like awesome. You did awesome in speech class this last semester. No. It reminds me of like, do you remember when American Idol was real big? Let's admit it. Did we not like to watch some of those people who we knew couldn't sing? but thought they could, and they'd get up, and it would be a, it would be a, a mess. I mean, just a mess, and, and, and we'd watch that, and we'd laugh our heads off, and then someone would stop and say, what were you thinking? And they said, well, my mom and all my friends told me my voice was awesome. Well, your mom and all your friends are a bunch of liars. <laughs> God doesn't try to prop us up, but here's the, here's the catch. When God's calling you to do something, be sure then that he'll give you that ability to carry it out. And there's the difference. And so what, what I really want to get across to us today is just one main thought, and it's simply this, that we want to move from but I to but God, because but God changes everything. It changes everything. Let's look at a group of people in the book of Corinthians that are just 
pretty average, pretty ordinary. And look at what God says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. My dear friends, remember what you were when God chose you. The people of this world didn't think that many of you were wise. Only a few of you were in places of power. And not many of you came from important families. But God chose the foolish things of this world to put the wise to shame. He chose the weak things of this world to put the powerful to shame. What the world thinks is worthless, useless, and nothing at all is what God has used to destroy what the world considers important. God did all this to keep anyone from bragging to him. You are God's children. He sent Christ Jesus to save us and to make us wise, acceptable, and holy. So if you want to brag, do what the scripture says and brag about the Lord. And what is this saying to us? This is saying that God doesn't necessarily look for the, the top of the class. He's not against that. But God is willing to take everyday, ordinary people, just like you and me, and use us to his glory. In other words, when God does it through us, when God delivered Israel through Gideon, nobody could get the glory but God. Right? And when God does stuff through us, like he makes us acceptable or righteous before him, holy, blameless, our salvation, all of that begins and ends in Christ Jesus we don't contribute to that. We just receive it. And I love it. It's like he's saying, if we're going to brag, we've got to brag about what God is doing, not what we have done, but what he is doing. It's like me trying to take credit for a beautiful sunset. I cannot do that. And God wants to use you to show his glory to this world. He wants to show himself through you. So the two words to me that change everything here are, but God, but God caused Moses to learn how to speak, Gideon to become a warrior, Abraham to become a father, Paul to become an apostle. I wonder what it's going to do in your life. You see, here's the thing. The world and your friends and people who are not so friendly have opinions about you. But you know what? They don't get the final word on who you are what you do or what you become in this life. They don't get that final word. Your father does in heaven. He gets the final word on who you are and what you do. You know, the world may say, oh man, your situation's never gonna change. Mm -mm, it's not gonna change. You're gonna be that way forever. They may say, hey, you know what? Your lack of education is always gonna be a hindrance to you. Uh, you're always gonna be an addict. That cloud of depression's gonna follow you your whole life. That failure is going to define you. That past is going to haunt you. You're always going to be afraid of the future. They might have an opinion, but their opinion doesn't matter because God changes everything, but God changes everything. I want to look at just quickly, just one verse. It's a person that we hear preached about a lot because we draw inspiration from, and that's Joseph. Joseph is this favored son. And, uh, you know, favoritism, parents, it's a bad idea. Um, you know, if you're a parent, each of your kids are different. Learn to, to love what God is doing in each of them that is unique to them. But, you know, this guy's dad didn't do that. He favored him, and it caused his brothers to hate him. And one day they were going to kill him, and one guy said, well, that's probably not a good idea, and he talked him out of that, and they sold him off as a slave. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine selling your brother off as a slave? Your brother, not an enemy, your brother. And can you imagine being sold off? What would, <laughs> you talk about rejection. What do you think he felt like? And then as a slave, he's falsely accused and ends up in prison. It got even worse. And he's there for three years, folks. 
And this is a young man that had dreams about doing great things for God. He's stuck there. And one day we know the story says that God takes him from the prison to the palace, second most powerful man on earth at that time. And two decades later, he comes face to face with these brothers that sold him off out of their hatred for him. And he says these words. As for you, you meant evil against me. Hear these words, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. But God changed the narrative in Joseph's life. I love what Psalm 73, 26 says, my body and my mind may become weak, but God is my strength. He is mine forever. We used to sing a song, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That just means this, you and I are gonna have situations that make us tired and weary. We're trying to hang on sometimes through a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, or whatever. And God is right there in the middle of that to help us work through that transition. He is there to be the strength of our hearts. So it's not our strength. It's like Paul saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a strength that comes from another source. I look to the hills where my salvation comes from. In other words, I'm looking to God and he's empowering me. He's enabling me to do what I could not do on my own. Do you ever think about the fact that if you would have walked with Jesus, here's one thing you would have learned real quick. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you know why you would have learned that? Because <laughs> I mean, these guys followed Jesus for three years. Every single day of Jesus' life, blind eyes are opening, deaf ears are hearing, the lame are walking, the dead are being raised. He's walking on water and bypassing the boat trip occasionally. Hey, we know in a logical world, two plus two always equals four, does it not? Two plus five always equals seven unless the miracle worker is there. And then he takes two fish and five loaves, the snack of a boy, and he multiplies it and it feeds 5,000. And the funny thing is, Jesus didn't just believe that, in, that, that the, the impossibilities that are in our life weren't able to be changed by him. He said that all things are possible if we will but what? Believe. And so I'm thinking these guys have watched him do a lot, but he comes across a guy one day called the rich young ruler. He's young, wealthy, and successful. He has a certain amount of faith. He has been keeping the commands of God. Jesus loves him. But Jesus recognizes that there's one big obstacle that's going to keep him from following Jesus, and that's that he loves and has put his trust in his wealth. And so Jesus calls him out on that, and he says, hey, if you want to follow me, take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor. He said, no, thank you. And then Jesus said this, how hard is it for someone trusting in their wealth to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said, I'll tell you, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a sewing needle than for that man to go into the kingdom of heaven. They said, well, then who can be saved? Here's his response. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We can check that off mentally and say, oh yeah, that's a nice thing. All things are possible. Yeah, what's next? No, 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 no. You understand Jesus is trying to take the ceiling and the lid off of our thinking because that defeater belief will keep us from making room for God to do the impossible in our life. And what is it in your life or someone's life that you love today 
that looks impossible? Is it somebody maybe in your family that has said, I don't want anything to do with God. Get this God stuff away from me. You know, they've been gospel resistant, whatever. And you're thinking there's absolutely no hope for them. No, nothing's impossible. Is it an addiction you're battling with? Is it a financial situation? I don't know what the lid is, but let me tell you something. If you will turn from but I to but God, the narrative can be changed and be rewritten. So what if today we decided to move from but I to but God? I think what would happen is we'd make room for God in our life. And let me just tell you something that I can say emphatically and boldly. God is bigger than your butt. Single T, single T. Because you know what? Some of us, we're not strong enough, smart enough. We don't look like we belong on the cover of GQ, Sports Illustrated, or any other cover. But God loves to take the weak, the foolish, what the world considers foolish, and blow their minds, display his glory through us, because he gets all the credit. We get to brag about him. You know, the Apostle Paul apparently... He did amazing things, we know that, but apparently he wasn't much to look at. And in person, he wasn't that powerful, apparently. And so people would come along and they would try to push him out of churches that he'd started. And they'd force him to defend himself and defend his ministry. And they did this um, in the Corinthian church. And look at what he says as one of his responses in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. He says, we don't have the right to claim that we have done anything on our own, And listen to these words. God gives us what it takes to do all that we do. Older versions say he's our sufficiency. He's our ability. You ever had someone say to you, you know what? You just don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. You know what? That may be true. But if God gives you what it takes, guess what? Now you do. And that's called grace. That's called grace and God gets the glory out of his grace in our life. So I don't know what God is asking of you or what desires he's put in your heart, but I wanna encourage you to move past that defeater belief and say, you know what, God, I wanna open up to your possibilities. I believe that you can do anything. I'm not just gonna say that, I wanna actually believe that and trust you to do that. And here's one thing that I, I, I know When you follow Jesus, you will inevitably come to a place where he asks you to do the impossible. Do you ever think about that? Peter is in the boat. Jesus comes walking on the water. He's about to walk right past them. And he says, Lord, if that's really you, would you call me to come? And Jesus just said, come. And what did Peter do? He stepped out of the boat started to walk on the water. Yeah, he had a failure too, but he did more than the rest of the guys that just sat in the boat and said, but I can't walk on water. Listen, Jesus doesn't always call us to do the possible, but the impossible, because it can only happen by his grace. Here's a question I have for you today, and simply this. What am I doing that I could not do apart from the power of God? Isn't it funny how we can live our whole life without really stretching just a little bit. I want you to think about that. What is it that you couldn't do today 
apart from his power. Because I believe very often those are the things that God is calling us to do. Now, I just want to share a couple of stories with you here. Um, I remember a number of years ago, we had a young girl in our church. She was about 15 years old, uh, decided to take a joyride with her 16-year-old boyfriend in his dad's muscle car, forgot to strap in their seatbelts, and ran into a telephone pole at 60 miles an hour. And it was a heap of metal. And uh, this little girl, they couldn't get her out. They had to cut her out with the jaws of life. And we, at that time in our church, we're in a season of prayer. We got a call, actually, at a prayer meeting. Lori and I rushed over to the ICU. Um, they induced her, uh, put her into an induced coma because of the ma massive swelling in her brain. You couldn't see her eyeballs that had been pushed back into her skull so far. You couldn't see them. You didn't know what was going on with them. Um, she looked like really, she looked like a bad mess. They said, we don't know if she'll ever walk, talk, if she'll just be a vegetable. We don't know if she'll ever see again. And you could tell that mom, man, I mean, she was devastated. She was devastated. This was a good kid, um, you know, but she just made a bad decision. And um, I remember as a church, we just said, you know what, God, we, we're going to stretch out and believe that all things are possible for this girl. We're going to believe that you can do the impossible for her. And so we as a church kept praying for her. And, you know, she wasn't a young lady that was necessarily going after God at that point in her life. She was what I'd call a typical teenager, a good kid, but just typical, not really chasing God. You know what was really crazy? <laughs> when they brought her out of her coma, do you know what, what happened? When she first came awake, she saw two angels standing right beside her bed. But God changed the narrative. And I'm going to tell you something that was so rewarding because a year later, I watched, her, I watched her walk into the back of our church, talking, smiling, seeing. And the only evidence that she had been in that nasty wreck was the scar that ran down her face. Who gets the glory out of that? God does. Um, about three weeks ago, uh, I had a chance to be with uh, my kids in Arizona and, uh, and they're here, if I didn't already mention that, they're here again today, I'm so glad. Uh, but I had a chance to be with them in Arizona. And my daughter-in-law, um, who's a nurse practitioner, also volunteers time for a missions organization. And so I went to a Saturday night prayer and worship gathering with a bunch of people who are either former missionaries or current missionaries to the nation of India. And uh, it was really kind of an inspiring place to see all these young people who are just giving their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, I encountered this one couple there. They had three children, and their fourth one, they came back to the States so it could be born here. But there were some complications at birth, and as a result of those complications, that child had cerebral palsy. Well, I'm not a medical person. you got to really dumb things down for me. But my daughter-in-law explained that when a child is born that way, there's not a lot of hope for them to ever develop very much at all. So when this couple met with a neurologist, to discuss their child and told him that they had wanted to see how soon they could get back to the nation of India, he basically ripped them apart and told them how awful they were for thinking they could ever take this child to a nation like that where it would not get the care it needed. But these are people who have been on a mission field for a long time and they've watched God do the impossible. Now this is still in the works, but let me tell you something, let me tell you, they began praying for this child and they have friends praying for this child. Now, when I saw this child outside of the helmet at war, I could not tell that it had cerebral palsy. 
But this, this really happened. This doctor, when they went to see him for the next appointment, this doctor walked in. That child was doing the impossible. You know what it's doing? It was sitting up on its own strength as a six-month-old, six just sitting there. Medically speaking, it can't do that. That's impossible. Do you know what happened when that neurologist saw us? Now, he might be a good man, <laughs> but he might not have met Jesus. And you know what? When he saw that child, he was so spooked by it that the parents said he literally like stumbled and he said, oh, poop. That's the church version. That's the sanitized version. <laughs> Who do you think is going to get the glory out of that? With God. But God, he's good at changing narratives in my life and your life. One last story. I was thinking about a time that God was an invitation had come for me to go and, and do some preaching in the nation of Germany. And I was just really praying about it. I had one problem. I had a butt eye in the way. And the butt eye was I had just taken over a church and we had a significant debt to the point where I was thinking about what am I going to do? Who am I going to lay off, et cetera, et cetera. And I hadn't shared it with anybody outside the staff, but I'm like, God, this seems like a horrible time for me to go do a missions trip when we have stuff to take care of at home. I believe in being responsible, but God was kind of drawing me and pulling me to go that way. And can I tell you, those meetings, I, went, I ended up going, those meetings, I mean, incredible things happened during that trip. Incredible things happened during that trip. And I remember calling my wife from a phone booth in Berlin at three in the morning outside of a bar and saying, hey, here's what happened today, just catching up because she was in L.A. and just catching up on our day. And so at the end of the conversation, he said, oh, by the way, our bookkeeper just told me I should let you know that this past Sunday was the lowest offering this church has ever had in its history. I said, well, thank you for that encouragement. I really appreciate that. And I'll tell you this, I got home in this couple that would have come right out of the pages of the Corinthian church who didn't seem like much. They were literally living in a converted garage at his sister's home. They didn't look like they had much. They drove an old car. They were sweet people and humble people. And I was a little bit jet lagged while I was meeting with them. And so they were just chit chatting with me. And I'm thinking, why are you doing this? Like, not saying it, just thinking it because I'm tired. And I thought, this is pleasant. And I said, finally, they said, okay. They said, well, pastor, have a nice day. And they slid an envelope across my desk. I said, well, God bless you. When I opened that envelope up, and I mean, this was a significant debt. That one check wiped out 90% of our debt before I ever got to Sunday's offering. Sometimes we don't have what it takes. I didn't have the money, but God gives us what it takes. But I, but I, I can't go, God. I can't because I, 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 right? But God changes everything. Romans 8.31 says this, what can we say about all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's a very famous scripture. In fact, most theologians say if they were stranded on a remote island and could never have anything out of the Bible other than just one book of the Bible or one chapter of the Bible, most theologians agree that the one chapter of the Bible they would take with them above all else is Romans 8. Romans 8 is a revolutionary way to think. And one of the things in Romans 8 is, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? But what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean? I remember 
a number of years ago, quite a few years ago, um, I had been a Christian for about four years. I'd been to Bible school and I was part of a church plant and I was leading worship at that time. And, um, you know, I'd been learning a lot about how to walk in love and be humble and all these things. But occasionally, you know, I didn't always do things perfectly. And so that morning, um, I had my one-year-old son with me and my wife, and we were rushing to church, you know, because we didn't want to be late as the worship leaders, right? And so I'm like rushing there, and there's not much traffic out. And so I'm doing pretty good. And at the very end, there's the parking lot of where we're, where, you know, this church is. And I turn left, and I just make a quick turn left. I'm just thinking, I got to get in there, right? Well, apparently, the guy who was coming this way thought I shouldn't have made that turn, that I should have let him pass. I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine if you think that way. But I'm going down the driveway, and lo and behold, behind me, this joker rolls up. Now, granted, it's my fault, but he rolls up behind me. I'm thinking, okay, so you're mad enough to turn your car around and chase me down now. Guys, what does that mean? What does that mean? That means we're about to throw down, doesn't it? And instead of me jumping out and going, I'm so sorry, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. I was an idiot. You know, hey, I shouldn't have done that. It's my bad. You have every right to be mad. I didn't do that, no. Because in your mid-20s, even if you don't work out, you're in great shape. And I was in pretty good fighting shape. Even though I'm not a fighter, I'm not a tough guy. I did grow up in a neighborhood where you had to fight. uh, And I fought when I had to. And that's the only time I fought, right? When I had to. And I thought this is a have to. I jump out of my car, right? My truck. I jump out of my truck and I'm like, what's up? And he just starts laying into me. He hasn't done anything yet, but my adrenaline's going. You know how that is. Your adrenaline's going because you don't know what's going to happen, but it's on. In my mind, it's on. It's about to go down. And my adrenaline's going. And all of a sudden, this guy just, he's, he's still venting. He hasn't got all of his vocabulary worked out yet. It's still coming out of his mouth at me. He's just prepping me for the great worship service I'm about to have. By the way, that was the worst one I ever led in my life. It's horrible. But out of my peripheral vision, I see a van rolling in. That's not just any van, though. That's the van that belongs to my older brother. And my older brother and I are the same exact height, but he is double wide, Graham. Like, you know, 54-inch shoulders and, you know, can squat and all this. And him and I were both in martial arts together. You know, I was in it for like three years and learned a little bit. He stayed in it for over a decade and had developed a skill set as a fighter and actually liked to fight, not, you know, spar. Now, he was the pastor planting the church. This shows how spiritual this church really was going to (laughs) be. Do you know what? Do you know he he didn't interview us? He didn't even ask us what was going on. He didn't ask who caused the problem. Do you know what he did? He jumped out in a really angry voice and said, hey, what's going on? Just like that. But he apparently looked a lot more imposing than I did. Because when he said that, the guy put his car in reverse and backed out the driveway and just took (laughs) off. I don't even know what happened. That guy never saw him again. Hey, what's the deal? When somebody picks a fight with me, they just picked a fight with my older brother, right? Who's bigger and badder than me. And when someone picks a fight with you in this life, some situation picks a fight, some entity, some person, they just picked a fight with your God who says, the battle is mine saith the Lord, and I'm going to fight for you. The Lord is a warrior, Exodus 15, 3. One of his names is the Lord Jehovah Nisi, that he's the Lord who brings victory. Our commander-in-chief, Jehovah Sabo, our commander-in-chief. So if God is for you, who can be against you? I love this verse, John 10, 28. 
I give them real and eternal life. They are protected from the destroyer for good, and no one can steal them out of my hand. Guys, you're in his hands, and no one can take you out of his hands. Let me close with this final um, thought here. There's a gentleman that I've, I've read a lot of his stuff lately, um, and his name is Eugene Peterson. And uh, he is a guy that was just a brilliant intellectual uh, who wanted to do nothing more than be a professor and teach languages in a seminary. But his denomination asked him to plant a church in the suburbs of Baltimore before he became a professor. And so he did that, and he thought it was just for a few years, but he ended up being there 30 years, built a congregation of about 500 people. And one of the things he began to do was he began to take the old English of the Bible and translate it to the everyday language that the people in Baltimore could understand. And he did that one epistle at a time, and eventually people found out about this work that he'd been doing just for his own flock, and they said, hey, we'd like you to go full-time and translate the whole Bible. And so he took 10 years and created what we call the message translation. You see us use it here at this church all the time. If I had a new believer in Christ, that's the first Bible I would give them because they would be able to understand most of what they read. Now, this guy was a prolific writer. He wrote over 30 other books. He just passed away a couple of months ago. And at his funeral, both of his sons were speaking. And one of his sons got up and he said these words. He said, you know, I was real tempted for years to just pull back the curtain and kind of let everybody know what the real trick was with my dad, you know, the real sham that was going on. He goes, I was tempted to do it, but I never did it. I held back. He goes, because here's what I know. After all the books he wrote and the Bible translation that he did and all the untold sermons and conferences that he preached at, he said, here's what I knew about my dad. He'd fooled everybody. He fooled everybody because he really only had one message. And it was the same message that he whispered over us every single night as children going to sleep. And he would whisper these words every night. Are you ready for the words? Here they are. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. God loves you. Is that just here or do you really believe that? Have you removed those reasons for why that can't be true in your life? Because there are no reasons big enough or good enough to keep God's love out. God loves you. He's on your side. Do you believe that this morning? He's coming after you. With his goodness and his mercy, he's coming after you today. And here's the last one. He's relentless. He will never stop pursuing you. But I keeps me in my seat. But God changes everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you are doing in our lives, Lord. We're, we're grateful, Lord, that sometimes if we just take a moment to reflect on the blessings we have, Lord, there's so much to be thankful for. And yet, Lord, we know that there's so much more that you wanna do than you have done. There's so much more left in each one of us, untapped, things that you're calling us to do today. So Father, we just pray, I pray, Lord, would you just remove the ceilings? Would you remove the ceilings would you kick down the doors, Lord, that have kept us from creating room for you to do what only you can do in our lives, that you might get the glory. That's what we pray. If you're here today and you've been listening to this message, you know, maybe you're someone that 
grew up in a church but sort of fell out of that, got away from that, or maybe you're here for just the first time, a friend invited you, I don't know. But I wanna ask you a question today. Have you ever crossed the line of faith? And what do I mean by that? Have you ever, has there ever been a moment in your life where you said, Jesus, today, I do believe that you're the Son of God. I do believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead. But today, I want to make a decision to surrender my will to you. Surrender my will to you. Make a decision today to follow you. Have you ever done that? Because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, and that's what that means, to put our trust in him, to call on him. God gives them a promise. It says, if you call on his name, he will save you. If you call my name, if you say, hey, Graham, I will say, hey, what do you want? If you call on the name of Jesus, he will save you. It's that simple. So if you've never done that today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So I want you to pray with me if this is your first time or your first time in a long time. I want you to pray these words with me. It's not a magic prayer, but it is one that God will listen to. Church, will you help me? Just say these words. Jesus I believe in you. Forgive my sins. Receive me into your kingdom. Today, I make a decision to follow you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my everything. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.